0: Hello and welcome to Moving Kentucky Forward. I'm Bruce Maples, publisher of Forward Kentucky. So here's a name for you, patriotic millionaires. Does that get your attention? It certainly got mine. What is this group? What do they want? And why did they recently visit Kentucky and speak at a number of different locations across the state, including colleges and universities? I caught up with them to learn more about their story and to hear what they stand for and what they're looking to have happen. So we're here today with two members of the group Patriotic Millionaires, which is a wonderful name for a group because it immediately attracts attention. And they have recently been in Kentucky visiting various places and talking about their book, which we will talk about in just a moment. So Morris Pearl and Erica Payne, Welcome to Moving Kentucky Forward.
1: Thank you. Thank Happy you. to be here.
0: Great to be on your show. I uh I have to admit that when I first heard of this group, I thought, okay, what exactly is the point? And I actually asked somebody, I said, they were they said y'all were coming to Kentucky. And I said, okay, great. Are they going to like give lots of money to activist groups? Do they want to give me lots of money? What's the story? And they said, no, they're coming to talk about their book and about the principles they espouse. So the book is Tax the Rich, and there's a website, taxtherich.com. So, uh, Erica, you're the president of Patriotic Millionaires. Is that correct? I am. Okay, so why don't you take a moment and just tell us about why the group formed and what the point is.
1: Yeah, sure. So um, it was during the lame duck session of Congress during in 2010. And it became pretty clear to anybody paying attention that President Obama was going to cave to Republican demands to extend the Bush tax cuts. And it just infuriated me that here was a Democratic president trying to give even more tax cuts to the richest people in the country. So I called a few millionaires, I know, and they wrote a very short letter together that basically said, for the good of the country, raise my taxes. Um, 56 people signed it, including Morris. Um, And we popped it up on a website and I called them the patriotic millionaires for a very intentional reason, which we can talk about. And long story short, it just exploded in the media. People could not believe that a group of millionaires would want to pay higher taxes. And the group has been working together ever since to demand higher taxes on people like them with multiple millions of dollars of income and assets.
0: Okay. So I remember when that started, because I remember the, like you said, the media sort of frenzy that it, that it took off on, Uh, how did it go from being sort of a, an issue of the moment to being an organization?
1: Well, that's a, that's a great question, Bruce. And it took a really long time because it was really in the beginning, it was 56 people signed a letter that was around a very narrow policy issue. But, um, but we worked together over those first two years, continued to push President Obama and his team to get rid of those Bush tax cuts. And we were ultimately successful. Um, two years in, they reached a compromise where a portion of the Bush tax cuts Expired, And then I sat down with a group of people who had signed the letter and we had obviously gotten an enormous amount of media attention, which is a powerful asset if you're trying to, you know, make the world a better place. If you have a megaphone, um, you know, use it. And so I sat down with the group of folks who signed the letter and said, what is the biggest problem facing the country that a group of millionaires could potentially solve? And everybody agreed that this growing level of inequality is destabilizing the whole country. Um, It's at historic highs, 100-year levels of inequality, and it's ripping the country apart. And so the organization, so we then started to really build an organization. Um, Morris, at some point, quit his job, uh, maybe a year or two after that, quit his job and came to work with us, work with me full time. And we've been building out an organization ever since.
0: So... Morris, what happens when you talk to other, well, let's just start with other wealthy people about this concept. What, what response do you get? Well, honestly, I live in New York City
2: on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Most people I talk to, pretty much everyone I talk to agrees with me. Now, you may think I live in a bubble in a you know, northeastern city, and you would probably be right. But I think it's almost common sense. We don't want to live in a country like, say, South Africa in the 1980s with a few rich people and lots of poor people. And pretty much everyone understands that doesn't work. Almost everyone I know who's wealthy is wealthy because they had some kind of a business and their business involved, you know, thousands or millions of people who pay their bills every month you know, to help them make money, whether it's mortgages or car loans or iPhone bills or whatever. And I honestly think that the vast majority of business people in America understand that the current system is unsustainable and it's going to fail. And, you know, a lot of them don't really feel like speaking out and taking action about it. And a few people who are, you know, sort of more greedy, many of whom have businesses involved just extracting minerals from the earth uh. um, really don't want to pay more taxes and don't care. And those people, you know, sort of have much more visibility a much, maybe a bigger megaphone because they try harder. And we, our group is trying to help our members speak out and let our political leaders know that, the current system is not sustainable and it's not good for America and it's not good for us and we want them to change it and it's working I mean at least we're making progress we've gone from being sort of a fringe group to having the president of the United States making proposing some of the things that we've been working on so you know I think we're making progress at least
1: so Bruce we basically um, as Morris said our members really like recognize that our economy is 70% consumer demand. And for an economy that is 70% consumer demand to function, you need consumers with money to spend. You cannot have this concentrate this constant upward flow of capital into a smaller and smaller group of people. As Ben Cohen of Ben and Jerry said that, you know, there's only so much chunky monkey one rich guy can eat. We need everybody to be able to afford some chunky monkey. Um, And so we work on three things. The first is a real um, commitment to a reinvestment strategy through the tax code um, and making sure that investors are not the privileged class in the United States with tax breaks that serve absolutely no economic purpose. The second is a substantially higher federal wage floor so that we guarantee that virtuous cycle of consumers with money to spend um, buying products and building our businesses. And then the third is the thing that whacked the whole thing up in the first place is the distribution of political power. What's really gone wrong is that political power has been concentrated in the hands of a small number of people. And they're using their political power to get themselves richer. And then as they get richer, they're using that money to grow their political power. And it's destroying our capitalist democracy. Um, And we'd like to see our capitalist democracy thrive into the second 250 years of the country's history. So we're trying to do what we can.
0: So it's interesting to me that, of course, everything you're saying about uh, income distribution and about inequality It's just common sense all the way back to Henry Ford, uh, who who said, uh, you know, why do you when they ask him, why do you pay your workers more than you have to? And he said, because I want them to buy cars.
1: Well, and Bruce, can I just on Henry Ford, this is one of my favorite little statistics that I figured out just about a year ago. In 1914, Henry Ford raised the pay of his workers for precisely the reason you're talking about. He wanted them to be able to afford his cars. He raised their pay to $5 a day for an eight-hour workday. Right. That would translate today into about $17 an hour. Our minimum wage as we sit here today is $7.25. And our tipped wage for people like waiters and waitresses and bartenders is $2.13. I do not think Henry Ford, racist anti semite that he was. He was a good businessman. I don't think that Henry Ford would agree with the way that we have structured our economy.
0: Well, the other thing that that I think I don't know if you talk about this, uh, although you did mention South Africa. uh, The other thing is that history says that if the inequality gets large enough or or if the difference gets large enough that you wind up with revolution, you wind up with people saying, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. And. Uh, I don't know why we can't get people to understand, as you said, Erica, that we want our democracy to continue. So we better do something about this. Do you ever talk about that in your talks? And what do people say when you do or if you uh, uh, many times
2: I've told a brief story about once when I was working at BlackRock, I was at a, a due diligence meeting on the top floor, fancy dining room of a bank headquarters in Athens, Greece. And, you know, I walked over to the window so people wouldn't see I was taking two chocolate puddings from the buffet. And then I looked out the window and I thought I saw it was a parade for a minute. Then I realized it was like a demonstration moving down towards Parliament Square. And I turned around and I walked back and I thought to myself, am I really doing any good for the people of Greece other than these couple of dozen bank executives whose jobs are hopefully saving by getting their bank bailed out by the IMF? And I thought to myself that I don't want America, my country, to end up like Athens, Greece was in 2013 with like violent protests and revolution going around. And, you know, a few months later, that's when I told the people at BlackRock, I've done as much as I can for them. And I've been doing this work full time ever since Uh. because I'm trying to do what I can to help my children. And now I have a grandchild, you know, grow up with the kind of opportunities that I did. And I think that changing the course of our nation's policies will do more for them than, you know, making another
0: few million dollars. So, yes, that's what we're concerned about. So you're here in Kentucky or you were here in Kentucky. Um, Did you get to talk to any legislators and did you talk about, if if you knew about it, the recent bill about changing our income structure for the state from income tax to sales tax?
1: We did. We had an opportunity to talk to some of y'all's lawmakers. I think we landed on the day that the vote passed where, you all are getting rid of your income tax. And we talked about the real danger of doing that. I mean, what you do basically is you rob the state of revenues it needs to do very important things like fund schools so that you can educate your children, among other things. Um, And what happens when you pull it out of an income tax, which is a progressive income tax, which asks for more of the people who have more, you move it to a sales tax a sales tax will ultimately cost um, the people who have the least amount of money more. Um, And so you're pushing the burden down to hardworking people. And then if you start to cut the sales tax, then what they'll do next is push it all to fees and fines. And it's this system that people who adhere to that kind of conservative right-wing philosophy have this idea that if you... Cut, cut, cut the obligation that the richest people in your state or your county or your country have to everybody else. So that's somehow a good idea. And we just disagree with that entire notion. And so the same thing that they're doing at the federal level, they are also doing at the state levels. Keep in mind, after World War Two, the top marginal income tax was 91 percent. Right now it is 37 percent. That is an enormous Decline and both revenues, which is, you know, a little piece of it, but more importantly, in just like the basic structure of the economy, when you have a tax code that continues to allow the richest people to accumulate and hoard wealth, you ultimately get your whole economy into quite a state.
0: So, when you talk about this, one of the things that you obviously know has happened in the country over the past 20 some years is the the complete bifurcation of the system where each side shouts at the other side and demonizes the other side so you know those those wealthy greedy people and those lazy people and so on and so forth how do you go at this and and name accurately the problem of greed without further exacerbating the division?
2: What we did, we went to Kentucky and we've gone to other places and we discussed with people the details of how the tax code worked. We talked to them about how much taxes you pay if you do this, like work for a living, and how much taxes I pay if I sit around here doing nothing but watch the numbers on my computer screen get higher and higher. And, you know, we're not saying that Anyone's a bad person. I mean, Erica might say that some people are bad people, but that's beside the point. I don't think I'm a bad person. I just think that the system is designed in such a way that I pay a far lower tax rate than Erica does. And if you think that's good, that's okay. But most people don't think that's good. Uh And most people agree with me that the system should be changed. So you don't have to, I'm a bad person. You just have to think about it.
1: Well, and look, stuff like taxes, Okay, I mean, I guarantee you go tell 10 of your friends that you want to sit down and have a real juicy conversation with them about taxes. Nine of them are going to fall asleep and one of them is going to walk away. I mean, this is not, according to most people, the hottest topic that they want to talk about. And it can be difficult to understand some of the details of it. So the result of all that complication is that politicians of both parties tend to lie about taxes. And it's easier for them to talk to folks about stuff like you know, critical race theory and and gun control and things like that, because it's, pe- it's stuff that people understand. Now, what's happening, though, is that they're getting their pockets picked while mm. they're being distracted with these issues that, you know, may be important to some people, but I don't think they're nearly as important as, you know, whether or not you have money in your pocket and can, can raise your family. And so, I mean, basically what's happening is they will come up with anything that they can possibly come up with um to distract people from the fact that basically the richest people in the country are stealing your money.
0: All right, so we we see the problem, we understand, I think, uh some things that need to happen, they're not happening in Kentucky, but they need to happen everywhere. So how do we move forward on this? What is so for me as a very small time web publisher for activists for Kentucky Center for Economic Policy uh, who's been running this Same talk for years. What do we do to move the conversation forward?
1: Listen, the people in Kentucky have an enormous amount of power. That's the first thing. You may not feel like you have a lot of power, but the people in Kentucky, your Senator Mitch McConnell is the chief architect, chief sherpa of these kinds of policies, um, and also one of the chief beneficiaries of these policies. And your state and the people in your state are suffering suffering. As a result of that. So I think the first thing people should do is contact Mitch McConnell and tell him that they want higher taxes on millionaires, billionaires and corporations, and I tell people, put him on your speed dial, put his local office In Kentucky on your speed dial and every morning when you're having your coffee you call up his office and you tell him that you are calling from the great state of Kentucky and you do not think that working people in Kentucky should be paying twice the tax rate as those Wall Street investors just put them on your speed dial and then the second thing you need to do is go to taxtherich.com and watch our 15 minute presentation that explains the tax code top to bottom. And the third thing you need to do is call a friend of yours who is on the opposite side of the political aisle that you are and show him that show him that uh, presentation about the tax code and then ask him or her to call Mitch McConnell. This is one person at a time. We will change this country.
0: So let me ask one other thing uh, and then I'll have a One more question after that. Is there a framing that we need to be using? Tax the rich is a great frame. I I like the frame and I like the frame patriotic millionaires when we're doing everyday conversation about this. When we talk about, for instance, if you talk about progressive taxation, most people's eyes roll back in their head. So what framing can we use to talk about this is greed a good frame? Is equality a good frame? Is fairness a good frame? What, what do you recommend?
1: I mean, the place where we always start is the, is the, the great um, rivalry between their money versus your sweat. This is the central problem of the tax code is that if you work for a living, if you go to a job, you know, get a paycheck every two weeks and taxes come out of that paycheck the way the vast majority of people in the country do. If you are working for a living, you are paying twice the tax rate of Wall Street investors and people like Morris. That is the first thing that needs to change. your money versus your sweat. Every dollar you make working, is worth less money than every single dollar those jerks on Wall Street make investing money. That is a problem. And that is something that every working person in the country probably agrees with. And that's where the whole thing starts to break down, is from the get-go, investors get a preferential treatment in the tax code. They get off scot-free. And it's a lot of money. Bruce, I mean, a working couple who goes to work every day, 40 hours a week, 50 weeks a year brings home $100,000. They'll pay $9,000 in federal taxes. If Morris sells some stock one day in between drinking strawberry daiquiris on the beach and makes the capital gain of $100,000, he will pay $0 in taxes. That $9,000 should piss everybody in Kentucky off enough to pick up the phone and call Mitch McConnell
2: and it gets worse i mean just and then the next year i have nine thousand dollars more than erica does yeah i make even more money in my investments because i start off the year richer and it just the difference grows over time and over generations that's why some people are extraordinarily wealthy and huge numbers of people are just barely getting by and falling farther and farther behind
0: so let me ask my last question. Uh, is there anything that I didn't ask you about that you wish I had or anything you want to want to bring up that we haven't discussed?
2: It's just a huge number of things in the tax code that were put in there to help rich people get richer and get farther and farther ahead of all the Americans who work for a living. And you know, we've mentioned a few of them and you can read our book for a few more. But fundamentally, the whole system was designed for the benefit of rich people getting richer. And it has to change. I
1: agree with Morris.
0: Morris Pearl, Erica Payne of Patriotic Millionaires. Thank you so so much for being with us. Uh, I will point people to the site, uh, the book, and the video. And I hope we can use some of this framing and messaging to get across what you've shared. I think it's very powerful.
1: Fabulous. Thank you so much, Bruce. We so appreciate
0: being with you. Great to be
2: on your show. Thank you.
0: That was Erica Payne and Morris Pearl of TaxTheRich.com, the Patriotic Millionaires Group. If I make $100,000, I get taxed $9,000 of it in federal taxes. If an investor makes $100,000, they get taxed zero of it in federal taxes. That's a hell of a difference. I sure hope we're able to use some of this information and the video and the book to start some conversations in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. I will be posting the video on the website along with a link to the book that you can get for yourself. And I want to thank both Morris and Erica for being on the show. That's it for this week. Take care and we'll see you in the next show.